Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Mark 1, Mark 1, 1 through 15, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness He was in the wilderness 40 days, tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much. Well, um... I don't know if you paid attention to that. That was um, 15 verses in Mark. Uh, and I always get this feeling when I'm reading the book of Mark, like Mark is in a terrible rush to get through all of those events in like 15 verses. Um, 
And finally, we reach a place in the story where he, I think he thinks the story really begins. And so in the first 14 verses we read today, Mark says absolutely nothing about how Jesus was born. And he speeds through the baptism and barely mentions the temptation and the wilderness of Jesus. I mean, that's a lot of scripture covered by Luke and Matthew in wholly different ways. A lot of scripture in 15 verses. And then after the first 14 verses, he gets where he seems to be racing to. The real beginning as Mark sees it, which is the beginning of Jesus' words himself. But up until this point, it has all gone so fast that hardly anyone but John the Baptist even knows who Jesus is yet. We don't get any picture of who Jesus is. And I guess it could be said that most of the time, hardly any of us really ever do know who Jesus is. So maybe it's a good picture of humanity. Maybe he's saying, Mark's saying something more about humanity than about Jesus. What we do know is that he is destined... This Jesus is destined to have a greater impact on, on the next 2,000 years of human history than anyone else in history. But at the beginning of Mark, no one knows that yet. And no single syllable has escaped Jesus' lips in those 14 verses and it's like almost like the, it's like after all of that, we're like groaning to hear something from Jesus. Like the stars like are holding their breath to hear something. Nobody in the world knows what Jesus is going to say yet. Perhaps that's the way, maybe that's the way we're supposed to read Mark is we're supposed to come to it as people who have no idea what Jesus is about to say. Maybe that's closer to the truth about us anyways. And then we get verse 15. We get the very first words from Jesus. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Very first words from Jesus in Mark. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That is how he launches the gospel for us. Jesus' first recorded words from Mark. And there's this kind of like, breathlessness in those three short urgent sentences like the question is what do they urgently mean to us who know them so well that we we so hardly even hear them anymore how many times in a service do you hear the words kingdom of god how how much are we processing what that is or what we think about it or if we even believe in it, that. If they mean anything to us at all, these words, urgent or otherwise, what in God's name is it? What, is, what do these words mean? What is God's kingdom that is at hand, and where do we find it? And so let's start first with that first part of it, the time is fulfilled. At least there is no great mystery of what that means. The time is fulfilled. Well, I think there's no great mystery. It means the time is up, right? The time is up. That's the dark side of Jesus's message for us today. The time is up. Saving the bright side, he does say, I'll save the bright side for later, but it means that it, it is possible we are living in the last days. 
And there was a time when you could laugh that kind of message off, like, you know, like some bearded guy parading through the city streets with a, painted on a sandwich board, right? We've, we're living in the last days. But we'd have to be a little unhinged ourselves to laugh it fully off in our current age. The war in Ukraine, Russian military coups, indicted presidents, deadly submersible sea voyages, white supremacy on parade, the slow, like poisoning degradation of, of the environment around us. It's no wonder that the books and movies we read and love and digest so much, there's no wonder there's a whole category on any streaming service for those obsessed with the dark and demonic. We're obsessed with the dark and demonic and, and the death and the violence. Uh, and it's as if the reason we are so mesmerized by them is that they help us keep our minds off of the real death and the real violence around us, right? And God knows the Christian faith has its own darkness and it has its own demons and so, so discredited by, by religious hypocrites and distorted by political purposes and thousands of respectable pulpits proclaiming so blandly and shallowly and without any passion at all that you wonder if this will even survive or even if this thing we gather here for deserves to survive. As one of my favorite um, Woody Allen characters puts it, if Jesus came back and saw what was going on in his name, he'd never stop throwing up. In other words, a lot of kinds of things that happen at the ends of civilizations are happening today, right? Are happening today in our civilization. And there are moments when it is so hard to avoid feeling not only that our time is up, but that it is high time that our time be up. <laughs> that we're just ready to fall from the branch, like you know, some overripe fruit fruit and just let ourselves just decay and hit the ground and rot. I think this is the shadow side of what Jesus means by these words. Um, the time is fulfilled. If Jesus meant that the world was literally coming to an end there in the first century AD, then insofar as he is human, he was very wrong, right? <laughs> but if he meant that the world is always coming to an end, right? The world is always coming to an end, that we carry within us the seeds of our own destruction, no less than, than the Roman and, and Jewish worlds of Jesus' day. And that in the long run, we are always in danger of one way or another destroying, destroying ourselves, then I would say Jesus is absolutely right if that's what he meant. Jesus says the time has been fulfilled. But that's not all he says. 
Jesus says something else too. And thank God for that. (laughs) He says, our time is up. But he also says that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is so close that we can almost reach it with our hand. The kingdom of God is so close that sometimes it almost reaches out to us and takes us by the hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom that is not a human kingdom. Not Putin's kingdom. Not Zelensky's kingdom. Not Biden's kingdom. Not any of the kingdoms that worry like us about counting calories while thousands of people starve, right? Um, This is God's kingdom. Jesus says it is the kingdom of God that is at hand. And if anyone else said that, we would hoot and boo and holler him off the stage. But it's Jesus who says it. And even people who don't believe in Jesus can't quite hoot and holler and, 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 and boo Jesus off the stage. Even people who have long since written off this religion thing can't help listening to Jesus. And the kingdom of God, what is it? Where is it? Well, Jesus, time after time, tries to drill this into our heads. What, what he even means by that. And he heaps parable on top of parable on top of parable like a madman with a, with a beard and a sandwich board almost and tries, to, tries shouting it to us and tries whispering it to us. And the kingdom of God is like a seed buried in the ground or like yeast or like a treasure or like a net. It's like a great feast that everyone is invited to and nobody shows up to. That better not be um, God's party VBS, by the way. <laughs> What he seems to be saying is that the kingdom of God is the, is the, is the time, it, it, or the time beyond time, when it, when it will no longer be humans in our lunacy who are in charge of the world, but God in God's mercy who will be in charge of the world. It's the time above all else for like this wild rejoicing, like getting out of jail, like being cured of cancer, like finally at long last coming home. And it is, Jesus says, is at hand. Really, can we, like, can we even take such a message seriously? Can we even take it seriously, knowing all that we know and having seen all that we've seen in this world, can we take it any more seriously than than like the land of Oz? It's not so hard to believe in a day of wrath and last judgment. That's why we watch these, that's why there's a whole category on streaming services. We we know of a day of wrath and last judgment. We watch that on the news. But is the kingdom of God any more than like a good dream? Is it? Has anyone ever actually seen the kingdom of God? Have they? Um, if, if, If not the full glory of it, then at least a glimpse of it in the distance somewhere. Um. We recently marched in the Pride Parade together, 
and I, I happened to be a weekend when uh, my husband took my daughter to see his, his, um, his, his mom who was turning 60 and it was a very strange thing that when the pride parade was over after all those hours that I had nowhere to be, <laughs> um, no one to responsible um, to. And so I kind of just hung out in the city for a little bit. Um, and I was supposed to meet up a friend and then the friend couldn't come and so I just hung out in the city for a little bit. Got dinner on my own. And I just remember seeing the city in a new way. In a new way that um, one of my favorite um, authors, um, he talks about a similar experience of, of coming to DC, um, of living in DC, of driving to work in DC. He said, it was a couple springs ago I was driving into DC on one of those crowded, fast-moving turnpikes. We don't have turnpikes here, so I was pretty sure he didn't know what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> there, there was, but, but I can imagine, he goes on, I can imagine. Um, there was brilliant sunshine, he says, and, and, and the cars glittered as, he, as they're tearing by, and, and the sky was cloudless and blue, and somewhere around Reagan, a silver plane was like traveling in the same direction that he was moving on the road and, and he watched it touch down and, and then he said, um, my, my day was made by the music in the car on the way and the hot spring sun and the, and the hum of the road and the roar of, of trucks passing by. And when I came um, across that bridge into the city, the, the city was, was snarled and and seething with traffic as it normally is, but at the same time, there was something about it that was not usual. It, it was all of a sudden, out of nowhere, gorgeous traffic, beautiful traffic. That, that's, that's what was not usual about it. The traffic always bothered him. It was, a, it was beauty, beautiful to see, to hear, to smell, even to be a part of it, and so it, was, it, it brought him dazzling dazzlingly alive, he says that morning. It took his breath away. It rattled and honked and, and chattered with life. And, and there were people and, and all colors of people and, and all ages of people and the marvelous hodgepodge of their faces, all of it, and the taxis and the shops and the blinding sidewalks and the, and the spring day. And, and it, it made everybody almost like a celebrity in the city. And it made even the, the litter and the clamor and the turmoil of its kind a miracle. And there was construction going on, as there always is. And, and, and there was uh, some, some guy who had had too, too much to drink the night before and was stretched out on his back. And, and, and there, there, then he entered the garage, finally, and he got into the city. And in the garage where he left his car, he continued on foot. And, and in the high-ceiling public atrium on the ground floor of a large office building in the city, there were people on benches eating their sandwiches. And some of them were well, they, dressed, they looked like they were dressed to kill. <laughs> and some of them were in jeans and sneakers. And, and there were young ones and old ones. And, and daylight was flooding in on all of them. And there was this, um, this man in a clown costume at the store next by. And, and, uh, and he was playing and, and offering a yellow balloon to a child. And, and, and in some ways, he, he says it's like a dream. And then in other ways, as if he had woken up from a dream... He had the feeling like he had never seen the city so real before in all his life 
It had just passed him before. Um, but today he saw it. And he said he was walking um, at one point by Rock Creek Park and, and this woman passed him. And what she just said, like under her breath, she said, Jesus loves you. And that's all she said, and, and Jesus loves you, was just that. That's all she said. And she said it in this everyday voice as if she had been saying good morning. And he said he was so caught off guard by it that I, it wasn't until she was lost in the crowd again and he couldn't find her that he realized what she had actually said and, and what it actually meant. Now, when I was reading this, I, I, I thought, sitting in the city that evening after, after the pride parade, um, after a slew of I love you's thrown, I mean, just thrown out like candy. <laughs> a slew of I love you's thrown out like candy to the people on either side and people on, on, outside the fence throwing them back at us too. I, I thought for a moment it was not the world as it is, but, I, but the world as it might be. As something deep within within the world wants to be and is preparing to be. The way in, in, in darkness, like a seed, prepares for growth. Or the way leaven works in, in bread. Buried underneath the surface of all that noise and all, all the crime and the poverty and the pollution of the city, you can glimpse this treasure that waits like a holy city, a city where human beings dwell in love and peace with each other and, and with God and, and where there are only tears of joy. The Jesus in Matthew's gospel that's much longer and tells a much different story um, seems to also be echoing the same thing that Mark's echoing. Uh, Jesus in, Mar in Matthew puts it this way, when the, when the fig tree becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that the Son of God is near at these very gates. And for a few brief and enormously moving moments um, that evening in, in the city, I, it, it's like the city itself became tender and, and put out leaves, right? And I knew beyond all doubt that more that more than, than, than summer was near that June, that something extraordinary is, is at the gates, right? Something extraordinary is at the gates inside of me and inside of you. And all over the world, you can hear it stirring if you stop to listen to that, that, stir, that, that something extraordinary at the gates. Good things are happening in and through lots of people around the world, like, and they don't all speak... <laughs> with a single voice. And no one person has emerged as these, their leader. <laughs> and they are divided into so many groups pulling in so many different directions. Some are pressing to end war, right? And some are pressing for women's rights and some are pressing for civil rights and human rights and, and, and some are concerned primarily with world hunger or with the way <laughs> We are little by little destroying the oceans or the rainforests or the air we breathe. And these are, there are lots of people, lots of people saying lots of different things. And some of them 
put us off by what they're saying even. And there are often many points to argue with them about. And at their best, though, they seem to be acting out of this single profound impulse which is best described with words like like compassion and hope and justice. It's this impulse that, that has always been a part of like the human heart and it seems to be welling up, welling up into the world with new power in our age if we're willing to see it. That I believe is the bright side like the glad and hopeful side of Jesus' words today, when Jesus says the time is fulfilled. It means the time is ripe. The time is up. But the time is also ripe. Humanly speaking, if we have any chance to survive, I suspect it's because of that impulse, that impulse and those kind of people, the the ones working towards tolerance and compassion and hope and justice in the world, by no means will they bring about the kingdom of God on their own. It It is God alone who brings about God's kingdom, but even in the best will in the world and out of our noblest impulses, we can't do it, but there is something that that we can do and must do, Jesus says. And that's the last part of this verse. I didn't highlight it because it's the part we often don't highlight. I purposely left it like that for you because this is the part we always neglect. It's the part we never remember. It's the last part of that verse. Jesus says the thing we can do. What is the thing we do? We repent. Biblically speaking, like to repent does not mean to feel sorry about or to regret. It means to turn, to turn 180 degrees. It means to undergo this complete change of heart and mind and direction. And, and, and Jesus is saying this to individuals and to nations both. Jesus says the same thing. Turn away from the madness and the cruelty and the shallowness and the blindness and turn toward the tolerance and the compassion and the hope and the justice that we all, we all have in us at our best. We, we cannot make the kingdom of God happen, but we can put out leaves as it's, as it's drawing near. Can you see that? We can, be, we can be kind to each other. We can be kind to ourselves. We can, we can drive back the darkness just a little bit at a time. We can make green places within ourselves and among ourselves where God can make the kingdom come in us and through us people of every color and class and condition, eating their sandwiches together in in that quiet place. And the clown and the child and the sunlight that made everybody in those teeming streets look like a superstar. The beautiful traffic surging all around us and the beautiful things that I could feel surging inside of me too. And in that holy space, that is inside all of us. And so Jesus says, turn away. Where there is still time, turn away and believe in the gospel. Let us pray. God, we long to be um, people who put forth leaves. Like Like the fig tree, we long to be like the fig tree, people who put toward put forward leaves who, who blossom as a sign 
that you are near. And so whatever work you are doing in us today, whatever we're feeling called to, whatever darkness you're shining light on, whatever story of scarcity, whatever end we think we are in, we ask that you would bring out of us that, 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 that great potential of the kingdom, that ripeness of the kingdom of God. So we might be a part of, of bearing fruit in the world with you and for you, and recognizing the fruit that others bear, wherever it might be, in, in some of the most, un, the places we just, we would never expect. And we pray for this world that we are in where it feels like dark, darkness and demons have taken over, where it feels like the end of days. And... Uh, God, we are people who, who acknowledge that that's not the whole story. That's not, that's, that's not the end. And we offer ourselves before you, God, by praying this prayer with Jesus that reminds us of the kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. See